Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Make way. Welcome back to The Move, where we're vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one story in the Bible that incidentally inspired Disney's Prince Aladdin. If you're wondering what we're looking at, Genesis chapter 32, verses 1 through 21, hanging out again with the bald eagle himself, the recording away. artist who's going to be singing for us, Prince Ali. Take it away, Tyler Morris. Prince Ali. I actually don't know the words. <laughs> don't know the word. <laughs> I would really love to start this episode over now, though. Yeah, that, well, we're just going to, unfortunately, we're going to leave it in because I just think it's funny the way that you started it. Okay, well, for, uh, that was a key change in case anybody's wondering. Yep. There you go. There you go. Uh, we are talking about the episode where basically Jacob is about to be reunited with Esau and he does this thing that just, I don't know, maybe Aladdin wasn't kind of thinking about this story when they were writing the song, but it definitely reminds me of that time in the movie where uh, Aladdin is showing up and he's got all these gifts. He's got the hundred bad guys with swords. That's the one line that I remember every time. <laughs> That's good. Um, but it's like this large processional where they're giving gifts for the purpose of basically buying favor from the Sultan. And this is kind of what Jacob is doing right here in this story. Yeah, man. I It was funny as we were talking about it, we were kind of reading over it a bunch. And then all of a sudden, as we read through the way that it's all laid out, like just layers on layers, there's camels, there's sheep, there's donkeys, there's cattle, like there is so, and a lot of these things, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it just feels like the kind of thing where it's 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 I, I as we were talking about it, I got this picture right at the same time you did. We're like, it kind of sounds like Aladdin, doesn't it? <laughs> Where he's coming into town and it's like, here's all this stuff. And it's with the intention of winning the favor of the Sultan so that he could have this bride. Right. But in this case, we've got Jacob who's trying to win the favor of his angry brother that he's afraid of. And he thinks his brother's going to try to kill him because of the way he lied and stole his birthright. I think that this perspective is so interesting. We see this, like Jacob is just living out scarcity mindset to the max. We saw in the previous episode yeah. where basically in his interaction with Laban, like 
this this belief that like, oh, I got to protect everything. I got to keep it to myself. Like, I'm so afraid. Like, we saw how it interacted with, uh, you know, his family, with Laban. And it just, it just was unfounded is basically what we're coming to, right? Like, Laban is a good dude. He wasn't about to do all the things that he was afraid of. And spoiler alert, when we get to the moment where Jacob does, in fact, meet Esau, we do find out later that all of this strategy, all of these things that he's so worried about is actually... Unnecessary. Unnecessary. I just this this theme of scarcity mindset. Like we could talk about this like all day, but how the things that we believe change the way that we live. Right when we think that we live in scarcity, we interact with people from this perspective unnecessarily, oftentimes. Right, but when we think that we live in abundance, it does really transform the way that we operate and move in the spaces that we enter into. Oh, one hundred percent. And I think one of the tragic things that happens in this world is that a scarcity mindset so often will corrupt like peace and harmony within people, right? Like let's say mm. you go into a, a neighborhood and this happens, this is a theme that has happened a lot. We live here on Oahu and like, I'll, I'll be honest, man, the people of Hawaii are just beautiful, generous, like aloha spirit is a real thing. Like they'll, they'll give the shirt off their back. If you need a hat, cause you're bald and you're in the sun, like any one of them would give you a hat. They're, they are the sweetest, most generous people. And the thing that is so frustrating to them is that when people come in with a scarcity mindset, right? When you look historically at what's happened here on the Island and people came in with greed or whatever, is that then when you have an open hand, like if you imagine somebody with their hand outstretched, and then somebody comes and they take the thing that you're giving them. Like they snatch mm. it, right? Mm. I know this is something that happens with Morgan and I. Where like if she's handing me something and then I snatch it, she's like, uh, like she almost wants to take it back. Like <laughs> don't snatch. Like what are you doing, right? And it's the idea that that when somebody comes in with the scarcity mindset is that they can actually disrupt the abundance that's actually taking mm. place, right? Like they start to take advantage of it. And we see this in neighborhoods where – like we can live with our doors wide open and come on over anytime. And like anybody can come. And then one person comes along and it's this, you know, everybody says like, Oh, one person ruined it for everybody. Somebody comes yeah. and they steal, you know, your car out of your driveway. And it's like, well, great. Now I got to put the gate up. I got to put security cameras up. And, and if the abundance mindset comes from our earthly abundance, then when people start to take, then we start to develop scarcity Ooh. as well. But wow. if our abundance mindset comes from something that God has given us within, then even when people take, we know that we can continue to give because our wellspring does not come from external things, but it comes from what God has given us. Hmm. And so that's how we can continue. You know, Jesus says to turn the other cheek or, you know, if somebody asks you to carry something one mile, carry it two miles. It's this idea that even if somebody takes from your abundance, your abundance is not determined by external factors. It's wow. determined by your your good father who has the, you know, cattle of a thousand hills or something like that. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so Jacob does not seem to get this concept. No, he doesn't get this when it comes to how he interacts with Laban. He doesn't get it certainly in this story where he interacts with Esau. But one thing that I saw that in this text, it reveals that he also doesn't get it when it comes to his relationship with God. His yeah. prayer is really, really interesting. It says, oh God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac. Look, you could hear him like, hey, you were really good to these guys. But then he says... Uh, who, who said to me, uh, go to your, go back to your country and your relatives. I will make you prosperous. So he has clarity that God's calling him to do this thing. But notice what he says next. He says in verse 10, I am unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness that you have shown. 
there's this belief that that he has not just in these kind of horizontal relationships, but maybe also uh, maybe even because of the unworthiness that he perceives when it comes to his vertical relationships. Mm. What I'm saying is he sees his relationship to God in transactional manners where he realizes, at least to his own uh, uh, understanding, that he's falling short, that he's unworthy, that he's no good. And and I think about how often in my life I felt that way about myself and my relationship with God. And when I really lean into that identity, it does translate to how I treat others, how I interact with others. But if we realize the good news and the truth that no, even when we do the wrong thing or fill in the blank, we've talked about this like almost as ad nauseum this season, right? When we mess up, God still looks at us with favor. God still looks at us as someone with value and identity. And so um, I think maybe, and and you you can let me know, one of the lessons that we should take from this is that we maybe don't have any good reason to live with a scarcity mindset. Yeah, man, not at all. If, If there's been anything revealed in the person of Jesus, it's that God is holding absolutely nothing back. Even Mm. of himself, God is willing to give of himself. So, man, to have a scarcity mindset, uh, I think we get it. Like, it's not that there's no, there's no empathy towards, it's not as though there's no empathy towards people who are struggling to believe that God is truly this gracious. Um, Mm -hmm. But the encouragement is look away from the circumstances and look towards the cross because the cross is mm. the revelation of the abundance and our circumstances are the just all of the things that will press on the flesh and try to make us feel like we don't have. And you you mentioned this thing about like almost like what we believe we live out. And there's a verse in, the, in 1 John 4 that says that as he is, speaking of Jesus, so mm. are we in this world. And when you read through that, it's this whole thing about the revelation of God as love. And it makes more sense to me when we start to see that it, what it's communicating is that as we think he is, so are hmm. we in this world. So if we think that he is harsh and exacting, if we think that he is ungracious and unwilling of favor and that he only wants to forgive us if we prove through groveling and all of these things that we are worthy of it, then we also treat others in the same way. And hmm. so, but if we believe that he is truly gracious and his love is abounding and it's just like his he's so merciful and he's so unwilling that anybody would ever be turned away then all of a sudden we start to interact with that same heart and mind because that's what we've received from him maybe this is kind of why Jesus is making this statement you know in the gospel basically where he's he's talking about like they will know that you're my disciples by the way that you treat one another they'll know that you've rightly follow me right that you have a good conception of who I am by the way that we treat other people because when we see God for who he truly is and we can understand his character aptly then it actually does something to us. It changes our minds. It changes the the scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. And now we actually, from the overflow, not because we're striving or working hard to, or I need to be nice to people because Jesus told me to. No, because now we can actually see reality the way that it actually is. We now have put on the correct lens with which to see others and to see ourselves. And so we can treat people with kindness. We can treat people the way that Jesus sees them because we have a correct understanding of what he's done. Yeah, man. I am I am very 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 passionately uh, wanting to just beat into Jacob's head sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> God has your back, stop strategizing. Ooh. 
Stop strategizing, man. Like, because to be fair to Jacob, it's not that he's always faithless in this way. Right, of course. And no person is always faithless or always faithful minus Jesus, right? right. And I think that's one of the things that we're noticing. And and the reason we're noticing this is, and this is, and the reason I want to go hard about it just for a second is because I know that there's listeners that go through these the same roller coaster. Sometimes mm-hmm. faithful, sometimes faithless. Um, and the the main thing here is that there are circumstances that press on Jacob. There are circumstances or people who press on Jacob. There's things going on in his life that press. And in those moments of pressing, when he forgets the promise and the faithfulness of God, he starts strategizing. He starts Mm. coming up with ways to try to evade or manipulate the situation. And the thing that is so, like, if we're just going to call a spade a spade, the thing that is so wrong about this is that it is indeed manipulative. When, like, you look at the gifts, like, he's showing up like Prince Ali, and he's sending ahead all the camels, and he's saying, oh, you know, we these are gifts from your brother Jacob. Like, he's trying to, he knows his brother's angry, he's afraid of him, and he's giving gifts. But those gifts are manipulative, Mm. because they're not of love. Yeah. And so, this is where, like, God looks at the heart. And Mm. if we know that God loves us and we're okay then we don't need to be those like Jacob in these moments, Jacob in these moments, I'll say, that is afraid and strategizing to try to have good standing, strategizing to try to preserve his own life or trying to preserve his wife's lives or trying to preserve, you know, every, but we can actually just love. Like, I'm just so overwhelmed with this, this truth that love does not strategize. Hmm. Love just is. And it shows up and, and it, like, if we have been loved well, we can love well. Yeah. But yeah. like, we don't need to try to strategize through gifts and through groveling and try to manipulate others to try to bring God's kingdom. You know well, what I one mean? Of my, absolutely. Yes. Amen. And I co-signed that. Okay. Um, one of my favorite shirts that I've ever seen on the internet, I've never purchased this, maybe I to at some point, but it was a shirt that says something to the effect of, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. Mm. And I think that they were just trying to be funny, right? Yeah. But I think about the context of that story where Jesus is on a boat. There's a massive storm going on. People are freaking out. They're afraid for their life. And yet Jesus is so calm. He's so at rest. He's so trusting that he's not doing the strategizing. He's not doing all the things that people are doing to try and bargain with their gods, you know, to to do all these things. We're not saying that if you're ever in a boat and, you know, water starts coming in that you don't start bailing. But the, the point is that Jesus was at rest. He wasn't the kind of individual that strategized. And I don't know if the, the the message for someone listening to this in their season of life where they're doing the strategizing, where they're feeling stressed out because they're thinking the boat's going down, that they need to remember to be like Jesus, to take a nap, just take that chill pill, rest knowing that God is in your corner and he's already at work doing the things that you've been wanting him to do. Man, can I share one more thing? A little yeah, personal, personal testimony of this even recently. So... First, in case anybody thinks like, yeah, but he's God, so that's why he was resting. He knew what was going to happen. And and I just want to say, Peter, he was in jail sleeping. Yeah, that's just dope, a, huh? Just a little bit after the cross, he was in jail sleeping, knowing that he was supposed to be executed the next day. Like, mm-hmm. in those moments of pressing, if we remember God's faithfulness, if we remember that from the inside, we got a wellspring of life flowing yeah. out of us then we know that nothing external can ever take that away. 
And even mm-hmm. if we die in our sleep, we're going to wake up on resurrection morning. It's going to be beautiful. And this truth, just like literally, I think it was this last Saturday night, man, I had lies just piling up. And it was from this exact type of thing. Ooh. Like we're, we're doing ministry at this church. And I started feeling these expectations about what a church is supposed to be like. And it's a really small church. Like if anybody ever comes to Oahu, we might have anywhere from eight to 15 people on any given Sabbath morning. Like it is small. And having the expectations of what a church is supposed to look like, if you're trying to do that with eight to 15 people, it's stressful. Like I, I jump from the piano to the pulpit, I to the to my knees for prayer. I'm wearing all the hats and and that's silly. And what hit me is that as these expectations that I was putting on myself, like, yes, culture says this, and yes, maybe the conference would like this, or maybe the head pastor would like this, whatever it is. I was letting those expectations land Hmm. and they had made me very grumpy like for almost two weeks. And finally I was sitting right here on this couch and Morgan, because what had started to happen is I started strategizing. I was trying to think of what I need to do to help this church succeed. Like, how Mm. do I help this church do better? Like, what what are we going to do? Are we going to close down? Like all these questions start coming up and, and I'm literally consumed with thoughts of this church what, what's the best thing? Who do I need to talk to? Should we try this? What about this person? There's these complications and these people don't get along and all of the, literally everything I'm trying to figure out how do I, and finally Morgan was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> she literally, she was like, there's something wrong with you, dude. And she like grabbed me and picked me, like picked me up. I was laying on the couch face down and she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I'm just frustrated. I'm frustrated. I can't stop thinking about this. I'm frustrated with myself that I'm frustrated. She Mm. sat me down and she just started asking me questions and making me try to think out loud. And as I started thinking out loud, the lies came to the surface of like, Mm. I've got these expectations that I've been allowing to land and I'm starting to strategize and manipulate my situation. And it had robbed me of joy. It had robbed me of freedom. And she said, God does not expect those things of you. Wow. God loves you and he just wants you to love people. Hmm. And when she told me that, I felt something. I imagine it's like what you're going to read about next with Jacob after he has this wrestling with God and then he like wakes up and he's like, I'm all right, right? Like I felt something shift in my body and I was just like, that's it. And the truth Hmm. set me free from those lies. And so, man, that's why I'm so passionate right now. Just that like, y'all, don't let the expectations of life, don't let the pressures of the external move you from who it is that you are in Christ and what it is that you've got in Christ and just be settled that you can rest in the storm. You don't Mm. need to have the answers. You don't need to manipulate the outcome. God's got it. Just trust and live in the moment. I'm so, I'm so glad that you share that story because that's actually been happening for us in the background for Emily and myself over the last couple of weeks. Um, This episode is far enough into the future that we probably have already gone public with the big shift that's taking place. Tyler, you're aware of this. Um, If this is the first time we end up saying it publicly on the podcast, then so be it. But uh, you know, and like there are, are strategies in place as of the time of recording this, which is several weeks before it actually airs. But Emily and I are navigating a move to go to the islands, actually, to help be a part of the church planting movement that's out there in Hawaii. And one of the major, major, major stressors, as should be, right? Like, where do we live? It's not just me anymore as a bachelor who could just sleep on the floor of some spare room, which I have done for many, 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 many Mm -hmm. years. 
it's not just the two of us as a young couple who's, you know, going to slum it in, you know, the inner city of what we've done that as well. But now it's like, okay, it's me, it's her, it's our kid. Like there's this whole thing. And so we have been having many, uh, conversations that are a little bit stress oriented mm-hmm. about sure. the future of where are we going? What is it going to look like? And not knowing how it's all going to work out financially or the logistics of it all. And I'll be honest, we've, we have lost our focus on the fact that God is actually the one who's called this out, that God is the one mm-hmm. who's in control, that he actually already knows where we're going to be. And, and, and so I'm thankful for this opportunity to kind of pause and reflect and remember, listen, it's good to do the research. It's good to look for that place. Yep. But let me not operate from scarcity. Let me remember that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has all the housing figured out and he's going to arrange it such that it's going to be an experience that will grow us. And and I want to remember all the times that God has done that for me and trust that God is going to do that for me as well. And so I'm glad that we got to talk about this today, you know, just a couple days before we actually fly out to the island that I can rest in the storm. Be like Jesus. Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. We can rest trusting our Father. That's, that's definitely where I want to be today. Yeah, man. He's got us. Mm-hmm.